live from the Redeemer Radio 95.7 studios in the shadows of the Golden Dome, this is Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Rise and shine. Happy New Year. Notre Dame hoping to ring in the new year with a fabulous start to the Marcus Freeman era. It was one wild last month. Starting with Brian Kelly's departure, Marcus Freeman's hire, and now the opportunity for Notre Dame to win its first major bowl game in nearly three decades as the Irish take on Oklahoma State at 1 p.m. today in the Fiesta Bowl. Welcome to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame FCU, where you bank does matter. I'm Angel DiCarlo. This is our bowl special edition. So happy you can be with us this morning on this Happy New Year. Kevin Downey off this morning. Our longtime producer, Ilya Glasman, slides into the co-host chair today. Ilya, no question, you're a diehard Irish fan. We'll try to hope you avoid the wheeze today. We'll see about that. But how much are you looking forward to today? Old habits die hard. I've been trying for a, a little bit now. I'm really excited for today. You know, when this was uh, announced uh, after the Stanford game, you know, I uh, initially was like, well, this is going to be a really good game. Like, these Oklahoma State's no joke. Like they're a really, um, really good football team with a lot of seniors. A lot of seniors on this. A lot teams. of super seniors. Too. Yeah. So this this team they're gonna bring it today. So this should be fun. All right, and it's really the two, probably the two teams that were closest to making the playoff that aren't in the playoff. It's the two, it's the highest combined ranked teams that are playing in literally a bowl game. an inch away. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Oklahoma State's an inch away, and Notre Dame was ranked fifth. They were one spot out of the playoffs. So uh, you're having two very good teams, and and we'll see the hunger factor uh, from both sides. Whether or not Notre, we know Notre Dame is hungry after Brian Kelly left, they want to prove themselves. Has that waned a little bit from that month off? You know. I'm sure if they would have played three weeks or a, a, a week, week after. after BK left, those they would have been fired up. Maybe after a month, it wanes a little bit. Or you get to go home for Christmas. Um, and then Oklahoma State, I don't know. Are they going to be super motivated because they want to prove themselves? Or are they like sitting there watching last night's games and going, ah, man, man. we could have been us? Yeah, we, that, like, like Cincinnati could have been us. And who knows, based on the way that that game played out, Alabama-Cincinnati game played out last night, who knows, Oklahoma State might have been in that game the entire time. They might have had a chance to win at the end. So, yeah, they might be um, looking to prove themselves today, like in terms of the uh, public perception being like, oh, well, maybe Oklahoma State was for real. So, yeah. yeah. All right. On tap on this morning's show, our poll question, what happens today? Who wins? You can weigh in on Twitter at Ange DiCarlo. We'll, of course, break down the matchup with the Cowboys, who, again, were inches away from making the college football playoff. How does Notre Dame's offense stack up with Oklahoma State's defense? That'll be a big topic here today. No Kyron Williams or Kyle Hamilton today. How do the Irish adjust to all of that? Big change on the offensive line. Josh Lugg is out. Freshman Blake. Fisher will start in his place first action since the season opener against Florida State so that is a pretty crazy storyline Mike Elston will call the defensive plays today is it an audition for the full-time defensive coordinator gig and Elston's awesome reason as to why he stayed at Notre Dame and didn't follow Brian Kelly to LSU and we of course discussed last night's college football playoff semifinals a little bit more in depth than and Notre Dame was the first team out of course as the fifth seed but let's start with What's, what's at stake here today? 
Notre Dame's last major bowl victory came in the Cotton Bowl following the 1993 season. Lou Holtz was the coach. Since then, the Irish are 0-9 in these major bowl games, including four losses in the Fiesta Bowl. Ilya, uh, you weren't born even when they won that last major bowl game. Uh, how big do you feel this game is for the Marcus Freeman era? There's been so much excitement. I just wonder if they lose today, how much of that excitement could kind of drift away over this next nine months before the 2022 season comes around. Well, I would, I, well, first of all, I'd like to put some context behind that because if they lose and it's like a terrific game, like one for the ages, you know, I think the kind of the expectations would still be really high. They would still be really high. But if they get, you know, kind of beat down like Oklahoma State's been doing to pretty much every Big 12 team outside of uh, Baylor and Iowa State, like, yeah, you might have some concerns going into next year. You're like, okay, was – like what Brian Kelly did here was pretty amazing, like for the 11 years that he was here. So uh, Marcus Freeman, he's got a lot of – he's got big shoes to fill. So we'll we'll see today. And um, – it's good. It's gonna be fun, I think. So yeah, you make a good point because if they get blown out, if it looks like one of the playoff games from last night, then suddenly people are going, "Oh man, the guy's thirty-five. Maybe he wasn't ready to be the head coach at Notre Dame, right?" That's what automatically comes in. If it's an all-time classic, people are like, "Okay, okay," but if he had more time to prepare for this game, you know, because, there's still potential. Yeah, so because he he watched Oklahoma State film. On the the plane from South Bend to to uh, to Phoenix. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much film he watched before them. That's why Elston is calling the place today because he was running around like a madman, recruiting. You know, doing all the things that you have to do to become the head coach at Notre Dame. He didn't get to watch film the way he normally would. That he will next year yeah. again when he when he's in when he settled in. Yeah, he did say that uh in his press conference uh throughout the week that he was like, "Oh, Elson's going to call the plays cuz you know, I've been so busy with recruiting and this whirlwind of, you know, getting promoted that uh I think it's best for the team for Elston to call the plays cuz he's been the one that's been studying uh the Cowboys the closest who are almost said Sooners there. I was really close. <laughs> um it's, but yeah, so Elston's going to be calling the plays and uh you mentioned earlier that this is kind of like, you know, uh, a trial run to see if he could potentially get promoted from within or um if they don't look as dominant as they've been for the last 6 weeks, uh you might have to look from the outside. All right, what would it mean for the Irish to win this game? Here's defensive lineman Isaiah Foskey, new head coach Marcus Freeman, and tight end Michael Mayer. It's a new beginning, new era. This is Freeman era. This is everything is on us to change everything. And I owe it to the seniors. I owe it to the guys. This is their last game to put the guys on the field that are giving us the best chance to win. Like this isn't a charity game. And this isn't, hey, let's get the young guys ready for next year. This is a what do we got to do to make sure we're prepared to win? And that's what I've told them, and that's what I'll make sure I do as their head coach is I'll do everything in my power to make sure we put them in position to be successful. I think it's huge. Um, you know, the, the, this program hasn't had one in a while, and I think um, if there was to be one, it, it would be this team. And we got a, we got a very solid team. Um, we've had a great bowl prep so far. We're going to have a good week of practice this week. And um, I think it would be awesome to send the seniors off this way but also have a little bit of momentum going into the next season. Um, obviously, next season is going to be a big season, too. So, 
Michael Mayer finishing us off. I love the way he ended that. Obviously, next season's gonna be a big season too. Like, <laughs> like it kind of if you're a Notre Dame fan, like that quote that it's so subtle, but it like makes you feel real good when your your best player coming back next year is like, yeah, we're gonna do yeah. some good things. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but it's also kind of neat because you could see by the way how subtle that was that oh, like this team is focused for today's game. Like they're not looking towards the future. Marcus has been since he got promoted been saying that it's not about the future it's not about September when we go to Columbus it's about right now in Glendale when we play Oklahoma State in a couple of hours like this is what we're preparing for right now so it's good to see the players also have that same mentality as well. All right, Notre Dame Federal Credit Union has been serving the Notre Dame community for more than 80 years. That's 80 years of personal service to the ND family, putting people over profits. You already share values, might not share in our benefits. Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Okay, one of the big storylines into this is Notre Dame's offensive line. Obviously, we know how much they improved throughout the season, but one of the reasons they improved was because they had a lot of chemistry and now that chemistry gets blown up a little bit here today because Josh Lug re-aggravated a meniscus tear that required surgery during an 11 on 11 early on in practice bowl practice freshman Blake Fisher who injured his knee in the opener missed the entire regular season he's starting at right tackle in place of Lug today so he obviously beat out Michael Carmody and Tosh Baker for the starting job. That means two freshmen starting at tackle, Joe Alt at left tackle, Blake Fisher at right tackle. Ilya, when you heard the news Fisher was going to start at right tackle, what was your reaction? Well, uh, I know Fisher is physically capable of being really good at either tackle. I mean, he originally started at left tackle, so I don't think um, right tackle will be that big of an adjustment for him. I know he's had a pretty good amount of time to be able to practice at right tackle so um you know it's just about how are those first like two three drives going to look you know are the jitters there is like the game speed is going to be a little bit quicker than in practice so I'll be watching out for Blake Fisher and to see if uh, Tommy Reese brings any help over to that right side to see if they can get some chips because this Oklahoma State defensive line or this front seven they lead all of FBS football and sacks and they're like top five in tackles for loss so uh, they create havoc for those offensive linemen and I'm sure they will be looking to attack Blake Fisher early and often yeah Colin Oliver and Tyler Lacey their defensive ends are you know out of of this world two of the you know top players in the country respectively all right here's captain and center Jarrett Patterson on lug being out and Fisher being in Josh is a great teammate on and off the field um Really, constantly, I could be, you know, considered a captain this year. I mean, just the leadership he's done. Uh, he's an outstanding player. We're going to miss him, his presence on the field. But Blake will be ready. Um, I think we saw it. You guys saw it during fall camp at Florida State. He'll be good to go. And, you know, he's going to be ready to dominate. The biggest thing I told Blake is he's got to communicate out there. It's been a while since he's played. But he's been, you know, doing a great job in practice, his preparation, and he'll be ready. It's interesting you brought up the communication factor because that's what they rave about Joe Alt on the left side and saying why he has been able to adjust as a freshman, come in and play so well is because he's such a good communicator. So now they need that from Fisher on the right side. Obviously, you got that from Josh Lug, uh, at, you know, as a you know longtime starter and player. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Man, I don't know. I'm excited to see Fisher, like you said, 
and it's probably a good thing for next year yeah. that Fisher is getting a major game in before you know going into Columbus. Right. I think that's huge in that regard. Mm-hmm. But man, for this game, when the fact that he has not played since week one. And he's a true freshman. It's not like, you know, he, this is Lug coming back. Right. And that, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that makes you scared. And it's to it, your point against that defensive line that makes you worried. What's going to happen? Is he going to get a couple – he's going to get blown up a couple times. That leads to Cone getting wrecked. Yeah. And then all of a sudden <laughs> we get a fumble and it's deja vu from games one through four again. Yeah. Well, it's also, you know, on the bright side, it's not an accident that he started week one at left tackle. Yeah, you're right. There, I mean that he's a, he's a beast at offensive tackle. Like he's really good. He moves really well for his size. Um, so I think you're right. Yeah, there's he's gonna get tested today. And Cone being as, for lack of a better word, mobile as he is because or the lack of there. Um, yeah, it's gonna be tested. And like I said earlier, like Oklahoma State's going to test the right side today a lot early especially and you don't have Kyron Williams there to help with the blocking because we know how good he yeah, is as a, yeah. as a blocking uh running back so oh. so that 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 plays a factor to that like all of a sudden you you blow the assignment you don't have Kyron there to 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 be your safety net yeah as although well. Tyree went healthy and I believe that he is fully healthy coming into this game he has also been uh not as good as Kyron I'm, I don't think I've ever seen a running back in Notre Dame better at pass protection than Kyron but Tyree he's formidable he could hold his own ground so not again small he's just really small yeah but he I mean he's very strong his legs are very strong he's not he's not fast by accident people like so um yeah like uh Tyree and Logan Diggs like he's he's a big uh, running back, especially for a freshman. So, and he's done pretty decently at pass protection as well. Again, it's all about communication. That's that's really what it comes down to, especially for Blake Fisher and those running backs today. And Tyree and Diggs will get the majority of the work at running back. We may even see Audric Estime back there as well as the third running back with Kyron Williams not playing today. All right, Notre Dame's offense, as we mentioned, way better in the second half of the season. We all saw that than the first half of the year. Quarterback Jack Cohen explains why he thinks. That was the case. I'd say the offense started playing more efficient. Um, I think that started with me uh, and getting the ball out of my hands and making, you know, quick, smart decisions right away. Um, obviously, in the beginning of the year, you know, we were, you know, I was taking a bunch of sacks and I felt like a lot of that was on me. Um, I could have gotten the ball out quicker and gotten us in the right protection and things like that. So I'd say that's one area we've improved. Um, and just continuing to, you know, just be smart and protect the football and create explosive plays. Obviously, your biggest fear, right, is all of a sudden, you know, what happened in weeks one, two, three, four returns and Cone's getting blasted, unable to get the ball out. Um, I don't know if we'll see that, but we might see some combination somewhere in the middle, yeah. right? You yeah. know, Oklahoma State's way better defense than Notre Dame has faced since Cincinnati. And, you know, Fisher is in instead of Lug, you know, it, we might meet in the middle. Yeah, he, he probably gets sacked a couple times here today, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how big of a factor that ultimately plays in this game. Well, also, you know, looking back pretty much since that Virginia Tech game, Tommy Reese and Jack Cohn have kind of figured out, oh, like a tempo is kind of yeah. like the equalizer. You know, if you can run the offense efficiently, and that's the way you can get tempo with offenses. If you're efficient, if you're able to move the ball, and um, so – Hopefully, we'll see Notre Dame uh, be efficient early so that they could 
get that tempo, get that momentum going uh, throughout the game. All right, speaking of Irish offense coordinator Tommy Reese talking about Jack Cohn and what he gave this year, here's Reese, uh, couldn't have been more complimentary of the Irish grad graduate transfer quarterback from Wisconsin. I think everything that we thought we were getting in Jack, um, we underestimated. I think he was more than we thought we were getting. I think from an intangible standpoint and a personality standpoint, leadership, like being the guy in the room, being the guy in front of the offense, that was all um, more than we anticipated. You know, from a physical standpoint, I said it from the first practice we had with him, like he's physically more gifted than he was advertised. You know, his ability to make all the throws, his ability to stand firm in the pocket, his mental capacity to play this position is as high as anyone in the country. Um, you know, I think he's been extremely underrated throughout this entire season. And I think when you look at the last six or seven games of the year, his production, his completion percentage, his ratios from touchdown interceptions, his ability to get us into good plays, like he's going to make a roster next year in the NFL. And I have no doubt about it. And I think us as a, as a program are very fortunate to have him come through. Um, I said it a couple of weeks ago, like our biggest regret is that we only get one year with him because he represents what Notre Dame's about, and he represents our room in as, as positive a way as possible. He's going to make an NFL roster. That actually Ooh. was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Everything else, I was like, okay, okay, sounds good. I'll take it. When he said that, I, and I don't know if that's Tommy trying to promote him or if he really believes that, but, man, that's a statement. I don't – can you can – you, <laughs> Back in the when they're playing Wisconsin and Cincinnati and Toledo and Purdue and and Florida State, or maybe not Florida State. He played well against Florida State. If someone, if Tommy Reese would have said this guy's going to make an NFL roster, I can't even imagine people's reaction. Probably be at LSU right now. Yeah, <laughs> that might be true. You know, I, I mean, it, it's an interesting statement. It, again, I don't know if he's trying to promote. Uh, Jack, or or if he if he really believes that, but it, it's a it's a big statement that I don't think you could totally laugh at anymore mm -mm. because of the way Cone has played in the second half of the season. Well, it's not just like yes, he does have like an NFL body type of uh, you know quarterback, but it's also you know the way he's carried himself you know during the tough times when he got benched. You know he yeah. wasn't sulking, he wasn't you know, screaming or kicking his feet on the bench. He was standing on the sideline. He was cheering on the offense, and he was always the first guy to meet the offense when they celebrated after scoring a touchdown or whatever. So he's not just – he hasn't just, you know, proven himself on the field these last six weeks, but he's been a, a fantastic leader. He's the consummate professional, which is what a lot of NFL teams are looking for nowadays. So, yeah, you know, Tommy might be right. Finished the regular season completing 68% of his passes. That was in the 70s uh, for the second half of the season. Threw for 2,641 yards, 220 yards per game. He had 20 touchdown passes, only six interceptions. So those numbers are really good. That's a good. great ratio. That's a great ratio for, for Jack Combe. With all that said, how much do we see Tyler Buckner today? I would be shocked if we saw him less than, get less than 10 snaps today. Okay, I think it might be even. I think it might be even higher than that. Ten doesn't seem like that much. That's like one drive. I, I like I said. I I would be shocked if it was less than ten. I, I, ten is like the floor. What do you me. think? What do you think's the max that you see? 
Well, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. If it's the max, we might we, be in trouble. It might be a little bit <laughs> that's, concerned. Good, that's a good point. <laughs> um, I, I'm interested with this much time to prepare, and I, you know, how was was Buckner dinged up in the second half of the season? You know, he yeah. had that hamstring, mm-hmm. different things like that. With this much time, does do we see Buckner do a lot more in this game? We'll be interested. Maybe it's not a he's in the entire drive, but like a little bit of that mixing and matching. And also, how much of that mixing and matching were Kelly decisions versus Reese decisions? Yeah. How the how how do we possibly know the answer to that? I don't think there's anyone outside of uh, I guess Brian. We'll find out today. So. Right, right. But there's no one outside of Brian Kelly, Tommy Reese, the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I, heck, the quarterbacks may not entirely know who was making that decision, <laughs> right? Because. Yeah. It's always Kelly that's telling them that they're going in. Yeah. So, but it, we don't know what that communication was outside the coaching staff. I'm not sure anyone really knows who was ultimately making that decision. So that will be really interesting to, today to see how how that is because was it was it Kelly that was insistent on Jack Cohn remaining the starting quarterback when everybody in the world yeah. wanted Drew Pine, or was it Reese? Was it both? We, we don't know the answer to that. Yeah. So uh, I'm interested to see how that dynamic plays out. We may not get that answer in this game because it could play out in a situation that doesn't. But yeah. the interesting part is you're playing a defense, the eighth best defense statistically in the scoring country, defense. scoring defense in the country. They may be a better defense, in yeah. fact, in, in overall. They might, they're probably one of the top three, four defenses in the country. Yeah. Uh, you know, this could easily be one of those games where Notre Dame's offense does nothing for the first three or four drives. Mm-hmm. And then you get – then if at that point it's like, oh, we saw that dance before, right? Yeah. That was yep. – what was that? The Virginia Tech game when uh-huh. – and then and then uh, Buckner comes in and, and gives you a little bit of a spark. So I, I'm intrigued to see, see what happens in, in that regard with how they use him and whether or not they use him from a point of necessity – Mm-hmm. Or whether or not they use him because we're going to put our foot down your throat yeah. here and use another weapon while we're excelling. Yeah, well, that's why I said the max might be a little concerning because that means Jack Cohn is not playing while the offensive line is not holding up. Yeah. But I, in terms of like the play calling and stuff when Buckner's in, I don't think we're going to see anything different than we've seen all year. I don't unless if unless Buckner, he can air it out. Unless if Buckner is super comfortable with getting you know more. Uh, plays added on to his play and being more dynamic in the passing game. I think we would see a lot more, you know, two running backs um, in the backfield when Buckner's in, a lot of like zone reads and triple options and stuff like or RPOs. Um, so I don't think, in terms of, you know, the game style, I don't think we would see anything different than what we've seen. Yeah, I, I think you're right, except for the fact that, you know, I think it was Kevin Austin this week that said that, you know, in he practice, can make some throws. he can make some throws. And again, is that Kevin Austin prom- giving Buckner some nice words yeah. or is that a legitimate statement? If it's a legitimate statement, then with more time to prepare, maybe that's the situation we, we see here today. All right, coming up, we will dive deeper into the matchup with Oklahoma State and look at their playmakers. Up next, we discuss last night's college football playoff semifinals and chat about the man calling the defensive plays for the Irish today, defensive line coach Mike Elston. Plus, what Irish players may stay or who may leave for the NFL or maybe transfer. That's next on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays on Redeemer Radio.
We know you like football, so do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill, except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day, free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Touchdown! Welcome back on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Angel DiCarlo, Ilya Glasman filling in for Kevin Downey in the big chair today. Ilya, usually our producer, chimes in from vacation, but gets to give a lot more thoughts here today as we get you set for Notre Dame and, and Oklahoma State in the Fiesta Bowl. 1 p.m. kickoff. That's at 11 a.m. local time there in Glendale, Alabama. Arizona. So Notre Dame not used to playing games that early in the day. So that'll be interesting to see if that plays a factor in, in the Irish. They play the one uh, big noon kickoff against Wisconsin uh, this year. Oklahoma State has played a lot more noon kickoffs. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays a factor in terms of uh, the two teams and, and being ready. In fact, actually, if you think about it, the noon kickoffs for Oklahoma are really 11 they've been 11 a.m. games because yeah. of the central time zone uh -huh. so they're used to playing at 11 a.m. Yeah. local time Notre Dame is not so mm -hmm. that 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 could make you a little sleepy heading in, in, into the first couple drives once you get going you're going but you don't want to be down 10 nothing in the middle of the second quarter before you woke up yeah the good the good news is that Notre Dame has been there since Monday I've been practicing since Tuesday so hopefully you would hope that they should be acclimated and should be ready for this game no matter what time it starts at. Yeah, I, well, actually, or maybe you hope that they're not acclimated and it feels like 1 p.m. Yeah, well, <laughs> the last time, well, you said the one time that Notre Dame played in a big noon kickoff. We all know how that went. It yeah, turned out, that turned out pretty well for yeah, Notre Dame. They didn't wake up until the until fourth, fourth quarter. quarter. But they were in it. They were in it uh, still. So it wasn't. It wasn't like they were down by double digits or really uh, down by more than six points ever in that game. So yeah. So we'll see. All right. We talked a lot about the Notre Dame offense in the first segment. Let's talk about the defense now. Uh, no Kyle Hamilton, uh, which they haven't had for the second half of the season. Cam Hart was hobbled in practice from every media report. For those that were in. Uh, Arizona, it may, basically made it sound like this guy was like not gonna play. Was like Kirk Gibson in the '88, <laughs> uh, you know, World Series, and uh, you know, hobbled thigh bruise. Marcus Freeman says Hart will be ready to go. What does that mean? Like, is he like a hundred percent by today? He's like ninety-five percent thigh I, bruise. It could, it could like. Be pretty aggravating if it, you know, gets activated a lot. But I think they could probably ice that or put some think. treatment on it to make sure that it doesn't really affect the way he plays today. But if it does affect the way he plays today and he is, you know, only like a part-timer, yeah. that is a major... I know Tariq has been getting some first-team reps. Yeah, but that's a big burn for Notre Dame because... He's that, been their best corner this year by he, far. He's been their best player in the secondary after Hamilton. Yeah. So for the last... The second half of the season, he's been their best player in the secondary. Mm -hmm. And you already don't have Hamilton. So they are... They are thin yeah. in the secondary right now, so the last thing they can afford is or a reaggravation, right? Yeah. He, 
he somehow he he's out there, he's playing okay, and then something happens, and you know someone pops him in the thigh, and and he's not feeling good again. Um, so that could be a problem in, in this game as well. That that does make him concern. Now Oklahoma State's offense is not. Look, their strengths, their defense. Yeah, this is probably going to be a low-scoring game, mm-hmm. so you don't have to worry about that as much. Um, and certainly, if you saw the, the the conference championship game, you're probably thinking Spencer Sanders is one of the worst quarterbacks. He's not as bad as he probably looked in that Baylor game, but um, I, I think I think it'll be interesting to see what happens in that regard. Also, how does Notre Dame call this game? It's going to be a collective unit, but ultimately Mike Elston will be the leading the way as the play caller. Marcus Freeman so focused on everything he's had to do the last month, becoming head coach. He didn't get to study Oklahoma State, admittedly, as much as he would like. So Elston will lead the way. Um, It'll be interesting to see if this turns into an audition for Elston to be the defense coordinator, kind of like Tommy Reese when they faced Iowa State. Yeah. I don't know if it really is. But you go out there and you wreck them and you dominate, then suddenly it might be a, oh, okay. Marcus Freeman may know who his defense coordinator is. Yeah. Look, Mike Dembrock. Is already headed to LSU. Yep. I mean, as soon as the game ended. I mean, oh, see you, Cincy. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know if the second playoff game was over when it was. It was starting to be. It was like right after source, I saw the first. Sources reports. say that Cincinnati offense coordinator is going to join Brian Kelly at uh, so LSU. Clearly, it looked like he already knew that he was obviously. For I don't LSU think way before the playoff game. Right. Even so, happened. so Marcus Freeman may know who his defense coordinator is already, but. If he doesn't, and he hasn't been able to navigate that, this could be a, an audition for Elston, who, in my opinion, has earned this spot. He has deserved this spot yeah. for a long time now. He could have easily left uh, to Michigan to be the defensive coordinator when that position opened up, and he still decided to stay as a defensive line coach. And His alma mater. Besides. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, his alma mater. I wanted to say that, but I wasn't entirely sure I wasn't. But anyways, yeah, so he, but he has stayed firm. Um, being put here, regardless if he's the defensive line coach or defensive coordinator, he doesn't really care. He loves Notre Dame. He loves South Bend. His family has done very well here. They're very comfortable here. They've had a lot of great success. So he he's very adamant on staying here, regardless of what happens. Yep. And let's hear from Mike Elston on that decision. You know, he was with Brian Kelly. Uh, since before Cincinnati. He could have went with him to LSU, was with Kelly since 2004. Elston decided to stay this month. He explained why. Thing in my life. And, and, and to move a daughter who is a junior in high school right now, starting her senior year, um, to move my middle daughter, Sophia, who's, who's 14, and, and she's going to be starting her freshman year, who is, you know, a top 10, top 15 fencer in the country and, and a lot of places don't have fencing. I'm, I'm pulling her away from an area that, that's, that's um, you know, she's able to flourish. So it's a family decision for me. It will always be a family decision for me. It's not about money, um, you know, and it's, it's truly about my kids want to go to Notre Dame too. So it's a family decision and, and that's why I've always really kind of turned down opportunities for myself to... I want my children to go off to college, and when they say to their friends, hey, I'm going to go home for the, for the weekend, they have a place to go. They know where home is, and that's South Bend for them, and I don't want that to change right now. You know, if you think about that, people, people talk about coaches, and they talk about, you know, they get 
really they get paid really well, but it's really hard on families. And um, fam- the, the coaches are constantly moving. Look at how many times Marcus Freeman has moved yeah. at, at just the age of 35 with six young kids. He's been at Cincinnati. He was at Purdue. He was at Kent State. This is all while these, you know, the oldest kids have moved four times now. So, you know, this happens a lot. And, you know, obviously, hopefully Marcus Freeman is in South Bend for a while, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but for, for Mike Elson to have that perspective to say, hey, I want my kids to know where home is. That's a that's a really good point because a lot of kids that are that their dad is a coach don't know where home is yeah. because they've moved so many times. By the time they're in college, um, you know they 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 were a couple different places. Yeah, when Marcus Freeman was promoted to head coach, I can't even remember how many times he has thanked his wife uh, for being <laughs> there by his side. It's been countless times, and uh, Mike Elston has pretty much done the same thing. And he mentioned like, oh, like my daughter's really good at fencing like and she's like top 10 top 15 in the country and Notre Dame is a has always been known as a one of the top if not the top program for fencing so it like I said it was it was a really easy decision and he's very adamant on staying at Notre Dame regardless of what position he has which is really nice to see yeah that that's big and he said it's not about the money but he he gets paid pretty well yeah he he has a pretty comfortable living yeah I'm I'm, I'm sure he's been taken care of all right big thank you to Tyrac for all the support of our internship program that we run with students from St. Joseph and Marion High Schools here in Michiana the students receive practical college level internship experience helping out with our broadcast of high school sports wouldn't be possible without the underwriting support from the folks at tire rack more tires great prices visit tirerack.com all right uh we know kyle hamilton and kyron williams are gone they've already announced they're headed to the nfl isaiah foskey jason adamiola Jarrett patterson and kevin austin have all also received nfl feedback none have declared and made their decision uh you know typically in these situations they've made their decision mm-hmm. and they, they don't want to announce it before a bowl game and they're going to announce it tomorrow yeah. monday tuesday and they figure out what they're going to do these are all interesting those are the four big ones you know myron tagovo or mosa technically could come back i don't know i don't think so he's like based an, on the way he's been speaking well and he's also kind of like ian book last year like yeah ian book technically had an extra year right. to come back because of that covid rule right but at some point you you're ready go. you're you're ready to move yeah. on you know what i mean so he could uh also um i think bo bauer houston griffith and Tariq bracy will all come back yeah um but the other four the that received the nfl f- feedback those are the big four that can yep. make a huge difference on whether or not Notre Dame can beat Ohio State or not in week one next year. So let's run through them. Which one of these four, Isaiah Foskey, Jason Adamiola, Jarrett Parrison, or Kevin Austin, which one's the biggest one for Notre Dame to get back for next year, do you feel like? Kevin Austin. Really? Easily. Kevin Ooh. Austin. Yeah, based on the way the kind of the recruiting befuddling of the wide receivers, the how we can't – it's really hard to look at the transfer portal and get someone that you can trust, I guess, so to speak. And Kevin Austin, you know what he's capable of. I think it would benefit him to come back for another season. Yes. I don't think that he's ready for the NFL. He's only had one full, full healthy se- season. And I know, uh, based on what I've heard, the rumblings, he's like – 
more like 75% to the NFL. He's like, he's kind of Marcus Freeman is talking about trying to convince him to come back based on the lack of depth that wide receiver will have next year and how young that group is going to be. Lorenzo Styles and Deion Colsey are going to be pretty much your two, uh, you know, veterans and they're only sophomores next year. So, yeah, and we we didn't mention Braden Lindsay. That's another. Yeah, who knows Braden, what he, he might transfer back home. For all we know, he, um, he may decide to come back. He may yeah. not. He's another one. I think you got to get one of those two at the very least. But yeah. Austin's the bigger one of the two. I agree. You know, for me, I'm either at Jarrett Patterson or Foskey as my main one for for two reasons. One, if Patterson comes back, I mean, your offensive line turns from what was a obvious weakness for the first half of this season to probably a major strength. Be like 2017. Yeah. Pretty much. Right. So, and Patterson is the glue. The glue, yeah. You know, he's the center. He's the guy that's been a three-year starter. That is massive. And I think if but the problem with Patterson, unlike Kevin Austin and, and Foskey, I think Austin and Foskey come back, they can improve their draft stock. I don't know if Patterson yeah, does. Maybe, maybe he does. Maybe he moves up from like maybe, two to one. Yeah, in or, terms of centers, or three to two, yeah. or you know, or yeah, or or second round to first round or third round. Usually, centers don't go in the first round, yeah. so you know he may not be able to improve it. Foskey, yeah, I mean, you're talking about he could be a a potential top 10 pick if he has if the he, same kind of season as he does right. this year. Right, and if he leaves, he may be a... Like a day two, day three kind of draft pick. Yeah, I, I think he probably... I don't see anyone... Man, I would be hard to imagine he goes past the third round, yeah. but he could still be a second round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, Look, you know, Aaron Banks, people are like, oh, he should have came back. It worked out well for him in terms of like where he got drafted in the second round. Yeah. So Foskey could, could get that. But if Foskey comes back, man, is that that's a that's a major cornerstone on the defense line because you're losing Heinish, you're likely losing MTA, you may lose Jason Anamiola. You need, uh, I'll say this, you probably need one of those guys coming back. Uh, Adam- I think Adam Alola, I, I'm pretty confident. I'm out of a ten, I nine for me that he comes back. I'd be shocked if he left for the NFL. Yeah, maybe maybe helping is the fact that his twin brother will still be on the team. Yeah. You know, maybe it's like, okay, this is one more year. Not only do I get to say to play with the brotherhood, as they like to call it, uh, uh, for the brotherhood in the entire mm-hmm. team, but it's your twin brother. Yeah. You've been glued to, to him for 20-something yeah. years. You know, you get one more year to play together. That, that might be enticing enough for, for him to want to come back. But, you know... They need – they could lose all four. Yeah, they could. And that could make a big difference next year because mm-hmm. that schedule is really tough. I'm yep. not trying to look ahead to next year already, but, you know, next year is here tomorrow. Yep. <laughs> you know, it, right. I mean, I know it's next year already right now because it's January 1st, but, you know, you look to next season starting starting at 5 p.m. today. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's when next season begins. And if all four of these guys decided to leave or three of the four decide to leave – I don't think they're beating Ohio State in week one. Um, so, and then they got Clemson. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, we'll see. But it, yeah, um, Look, I'm just saying they could easily be 10 and 2 yeah. despite having a right. really good team next year. Yeah. They need these guys back to be uh-huh. able to contend for a playoff spot. Well, kind of from the recruiting perspective, I know that the last, you know, two to three years, the, the strength of the recruiting um, classes have been the defense. 
uh, particularly this year especially. We got you know two top linebackers coming in. The uh, we got Tyson Ford coming in, mm-hmm. and so like we're gonna reload or we Notre Dame's gonna reload. That on was deep. two. I was giving you the first one as the benefit of the doubt that I was gonna. I didn't nail even you notice the, the first. Yeah, one. Yeah, you, so. you had you had you had uh, two. But there. anyways, Notre Dame's gonna reload on defense next year. I don't really see if if all four of well, excuse me, if the two that we talked about, Foskey and Adam Alola, leave, I don't think that's a as big of a deal as if if both Patterson and Austin left yeah because I think the it's going to be the same thing as this year the defense is going to have a step up uh than the offense even though Buckner might start next year and some would argue that he's a better quarterback for this scheme he, he's a better fit for this scheme than Jack Cohn is but he might not be a better fit for Kevin Austin although Kevin Austin said he throws he, some dimes he, yeah. in practice so I don't know he might be. He might not be, though. I mean, saying Jack Cohn might be better. It might have been a better fit because he was a throwing quarterback rather than running. Yeah. Quarterback. Well, who knows? Yeah, Tyler Buckner could throw, guys. He's not. He's not your scrambling type. He's not a Denard Robinson type of quarterback. He has arm talent, and it it wasn't an accident that he was an elite eleven quarterback coming out of high school, which is one of the highest honors you can earn as a high school quarterback. So it's not like he's he's going to be a real threat here at Notre Dame. Yes, but is he a real threat first half of the season next year? That's where we'll ultimately find out these things. Yeah. All right, college football playoff semifinals last night. Alabama <laughs> beating Cincinnati 27-6. to Georgia beating Michigan 34-11. to <laughs> uh, It'll be Alabama versus Georgia in the national championship game coming up. What were your thoughts watching last night's games? Uh, not only does the playoff need a reform, but the entire college football needs a reform. Um, they need to make it where, um, this isn't socialism, man. Don't be telling me they need to take away guys from Alabama. No, 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 no. Whoa, 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 whoa. Everybody settle down here. Everybody settle down. No, I'm just mean they need to take away divisions from conferences. They need to unify conference games where every conference plays the same amount of games whether it be eight or nine, I don't care. They also need to expand the playoff for recruits to be more comfortable going to schools that haven't proven themselves in the playoff yet of, oh, I could still a po- have a, a chance point. of winning a national championship instead of having to go to Alabama just to feel good about myself. Did you um, see the stat um, last night that it was Alabama had eight or nine of the top 38 players uh, in the NFL draft, yeah, and they they had to replace all of them, and mm-hmm. here they are winning yeah. by 21 points in right. the playoffs of my final. Yeah, here we were talking about, by the way, Hamilton's the only one that's probably going in the top 38 picks out of the six main guys we were talking about, and we're talking about how much those guys, those six, are going to play a factor, and those are second, third round picks. And Alabama had nearly and we consider 10. consider them as really good players. Yeah, right. And Alabama had nearly 10 in the first 38 picks, and they're still going to the national championship game. That That's yeah. how loaded they are yeah. as a program. It's not an Alabama problem. It's a college football problem because it's it happened before Alabama with USC, um, and it's and it happened with Notre Dame. Notre Dame dominated in, in Miami in the 80s. Like This has been a problem in college football for a long time now. Where I like one, dynasties. I mean, dynasties are fun if you're part of it, uh, but <laughs> it's not fun for the other guys who it feels like a waste of time 
quite frankly, it's just like it's oh, fun we, though in the dynasty. Finally, I know falls the college the football season isn't defined by who wins the national championship, but you know, next Monday when or if Nick Saban lists the trophy again, we're gonna be you know sitting there the next day. We're gonna be like, well, I mean, okay, like okay, so we're gonna run this back next year, Alabama. You know, it just it's. It ceases to be – I like parity. I do like parity. That's why I like the NFL with the salary cap and, you know, they're even teams. I'm not saying that college football should have a salary cap, but I'm just saying there are ways to make it where there can be parity in college football. All right, fair enough. Uh, I'll say this on my one thought. Notre Dame fans should probably be happy they were not in the playoff because <laughs> last night could have looked like I the think, previous. I think Notre Dame right, could have. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't want to. Come on. Coming up, closer look at today's opponent, Oklahoma State, their top-ranked defense, and their hot and cold offense. It's our game day sprint as we get you set for the Fiesta Bowl at 1 p.m. That's next on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Do unto others <laughs> as you would have others do unto you. The golden rule. When you schedule a financial checkup with Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, our people will be helpful and honest and kind. They will look for ways to save you money, and when your checkup is complete, they will send $150 to Redeemer Radio. For more info, visit NotreDameFCU.com slash elevate. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. It is number five, Notre Dame, 11-1 on the season versus number nine, Oklahoma State, 11-2 on the year. The 51st Fiesta Bowl, Notre Dame won the 1988 national title game at the Fiesta Bowl, but four losses in that game since Notre Dame's last major bowl win, 1993 Cotton Bowl over Texas A&M, 0-9 in major bowl games since that game. It's a 1 p.m. kickoff on ESPN today in Glendale, Arizona, against the Oklahoma State Sooners, coached by Mike Gundy. One hundred Sooners. You said Sooners. Oh, I did it. I did do it. I'm the one that did it. You didn't, and I did it. Oklahoma State Cowboys, Mike Gundy, the coach. I was I was flying. That's smooth. a fine. That's a $2 one, fine. 148 and 69 in 17 seasons at Oklahoma State is alma mater. You know, the guy who said, I'm a man, I'm 40. He's now 54, by the way. <laughs> and he has spent half his life at Oklahoma State. He is a cowboy through and through. And this is Oklahoma State's fifth major bowl game under Gundy since t- 2010. Their defense, uh, total defense, ranked eighth in the country, giving up just eight, 16.8 points per game. And they're second in the country in third down conversion percentage. The opponents giving you know, converting just 26% of the time. And they're third in the country in yards per game given up, 273 yards per game. It's a really, really yeah, good defense. they're really good. This is uh, this will definitely be arguably the best defense that Notre Dame pl- has played all year. They do have a Wisconsin complex, though, in a completely different way. Uh, like, they have a really good defense. They'll get to you. They'll get to the quarterback. But this – Oklahoma State offense, they cannot not turn the ball over to save their lives. Uh, Spencer Sanders, he's thrown uh, 12 picks on the year. They've also lost a handful of fumbles. I believe it's eight off the top of my head, I heard. So they are very turnover prone. They turned the ball over four or five times against Baylor in the Big 12 championship game. So there's going to be opportunities for this Notre Dame defense. Uh, to get some short fields. All right, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's oh. stick with the Oklahoma State defense. Okay, and by the way, 
Defense coordinator Jim Knowles headed to Ohio State. Notre Dame will see him in game one next year, but he will not coach this game, and it'll be a coaching uh, coaching by committee for Oklahoma State in that regard in terms of them calling the plays. Here's Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese on Oklahoma State's defense. I'm so impressed with how hard they play from every position, but especially their front four. They play extremely hard. They're relentless, um, and they 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 tackle and they pursue to the ball well. And so it's going to be a huge challenge. And the challenge isn't going to be schematically. It's going to be to match their intensity and their uh, the the physicality they play with. How does this defense stack up with Cincinnati and Wisconsin's defense? And you know, two pretty good defenses that you played in the past. And they're similar to both. Uh, I think they're almost a combination of the two. Whereas they have the stout front that Wisconsin does, right? They have the veteran presence. They have the two real good inside, inside linebackers. You know, they're, they're strong and they're, they're aggressive at the point of attack, similar to Wisconsin. And then they're very multiple like Cincinnati was, right? You'll get three down, four down, three high safety movement all over the place. So it's almost a blend of the two, which presents a lot of challenges in itself. You know, I think, you know, we've grown a lot since that part of the season. Um, you know, we've we've learned how to combat some of those um, pressures and fronts and ability to, you know, react at the quarterback position and ability to get us into the right play, get the ball out, you know, on time is something that we've stressed throughout the season. Um, you know, we've learned who we are, you know, through that stretch. We felt like we've improved at a lot of spots. Um, that's led to the to the success down the stretch. So it's a great challenge that we're excited for, um, you know, definitely be, you know, something that uh, gives us a little bit of a measuring stick for, for how far we've come. But, um, you know, we have a ton of belief in our guys. All right. A measuring stick for how far they've come, because again, second half of the season, the defenses Notre Dame faced were not very good. So not as good as this we, one. We, we have no idea if we will find out in this game, whether or not Notre Dame has made those drastic improvements that we thought they did or whether or not that was a lot because you know the defenses were bad the defenses were bad so this is going to matter a lot look look at the numbers here we mentioned the the team totals Malcolm Rodriguez the linebacker uh, this is an interesting stat good good work by Oklahoma State compiling this he has 39 games since 2018 where he's had six or more tackles in a game that leads the country. That's that's a lot. Yeah, Thirty nine games. Thirty nine games. That's th- more than three seasons. Mm-hmm. So it's impressive. He has fourteen and a half tackles for loss, three sacks, four forced fumbles. When we talked about the defensive ends facing off against the Irish um, tackles yeah, and Colin the freshman Oliver. Colin Oliver, he's also a true freshman. He's by the just way. a true freshman. So how he about has eleven sacks, eleven and a half sacks? Excuse me, and that's ridiculous he's going to be a handful today. <laughs> it'll be fun to see uh oliver versus fisher and alt here today and then tyler lacy 11 t- tackles for loss three and a half sacks um and then devin harper the linebacker nine ta- nine tackles for loss six sacks again really really good defense that's the bottom line yeah but as you mentioned the offense it's hard to pin how good they are now i will say this jalen warren their running back did not play against baylor They lost at the one-yard line. Spencer Sanders threw four interceptions in that game. He had to try to put it on his shoulders. He was not able to do so. Sanders has 12 interceptions all season. Four of them were in the 
in yeah. the Big 12 championship. So he's not a guy that typically throws that right. many interceptions, right? He had he had eight in the first mm-hmm. 12 games, four in the last one. So I'll be interested to see how much better. Look, if Jalen Warren plays against Baylor, they're probably in the playoff. Yeah. So this is a really good team they're facing in the combination of their offense yeah. and their defense being complementary. Well, also the play calling let them down a little bit, especially those two goal line trips that they had where they only were able to get three points out of it. They, I'm, Spencer Sanders is a mobile quarterback. I don't mm-hmm. understand why they didn't try to roll him out. He only had like 30 yards rushing in that run game. run with him. But, uh, yeah, Jalen Warren, he's uh, – He's a lot like Kyron Williams with the build and the style that he runs with. He makes he's, a lot of guys miss tackles. Yeah, from what he I was has saying. over 230 carries, and he's averaging five yards per carry at that. So you know that he's very he's very slippery. He's very slithery. Um, so, but um, their wide receiver <laughs> Tay Martin, he has 70 catches this year. But to put that into perspective, the next one that they are their next leading receiver, he only has 40 catchers. So Spencer Sanders, whenever um, in third down or when he's in trouble, he's always looking for number one, Tay Martin, um, to throw it to. So I will be interested to see how Notre Dame tries to um, you know, lock him up, so to speak. All right, uh, Notre Dame, our poll question was Notre Dame wins by seven or more, ND wins by six or less, Oklahoma State wins by six or less, or Oklahoma State wins by seven or more. You know, very biased Notre Dame fans. Only Oklahoma State only got 10% of the vote. You guys are crazy. They have a better 1 in 10 chance of winning this game. Notre Dame wins by six or less. I thought was going to win 25%, and everyone's riding the Freeman train. 65% say Notre Dame wins by seven or more. What do you say? What's your prediction? Well, uh, you talked about how they almost beat Baylor and they turned the ball over five times, but you got to remember they were playing a true freshman second-string quarterback that game. Um, so, but regardless, uh, Oklahoma State has had a lot of time p- to prepare for it. Are you asking for who I think is going to win? Yeah, what's your uh, prediction? Oh, my game prediction, prediction is uh, <laughs> uh, twenty to thirteen Notre Dame. Twenty like, to thirteen. We're in the yeah. same range. I got Notre Dame winning this one, twenty to seventeen. Yeah. If you tell me Oklahoma State wins, I'm not going to be surprised. No, I wouldn't be either. Don't get me wrong. As much as I think Notre Dame can win this game and should win this game, I would not be shocked if they lose this game. All right, that will do it for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, Notre Dame FCU, where Eubank does matter. Thanks to Elliot Glasman sliding into the co-host chair for Kevin Downey this week. Did a fabulous job. Joe Ander running the board this morning. I'm Angel DiCarlo, Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, 1 p.m. this afternoon in the Fiesta Bowl. We wrap up the season next Saturday at 9 a.m. on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Have a great day. Happy New Year. Hi, this is Father Nate Wills. I'm a Holy Cross priest, a faculty member at Notre Dame's Alliance for Catholic Education, and one of the chaplains to the Notre Dame football team. This is a prayer that the players pray together at the end of our pregame mass. Let us pray. Grant, we beseech you, O Lord our God, that we may enjoy continual health of mind and body, and by the glorious intercession of Mary our Lady, May we accept the joys and trials of this life and someday enter into eternal happiness. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Go Irish! This has been a presentation of Redeemer Radio Sports. Thanks for joining us for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Enjoy today's game.
Tom's Car Care Center in South Bend is about a lot more than oil changes and car washes. Parishioners at Corpus Christi Church, Tom's Car Care Center is family owned and operated and has served our community since 1988. And we thank them for proudly supporting Redeemer Radio. So stop in for an oil change, grab a sandwich or coffee while you wait, and drive off with a car wash to have your car looking new again. Tom's Car Care Center, the Coffee Spot Cafe, and the Waterworks Car Wash, located at 3201 Sugar Maple Court in South Bend. 